0: So people of God in Christ, one of the distinctive characteristics of our reformed faith is that even as we study the Old Testament, even early on in books such as Ruth, yet even here we are looking for and expecting to find Christ. Because Christ is so central to our faith, so in every part of God's word we are longing for Christ and looking for him in the pages of God's word, from the beginning to the end. Luke 24, verse, th- verse 27, even says that toward the end of Jesus' days on earth in the flesh, that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself." So last time, as we began to look at, Luke, at Ruth 2, we took note of the introduction of a, of a new character in the story, the man Boaz. And we at least began to see how Boaz serves as a type of Christ, which is to say how Boaz is like Christ, somewhat in miniature, we might say. Boaz was certainly not the promised Messiah, but he prefigured Christ in a number of striking ways. So much so, in fact, does Boaz prefigure Christ, that when we read and study the book of Ruth and consider the character of Boaz, the story really should make us think on Christ. And we do too little of that anyway, I think, we, we think too little of Christ and spend too little time, as Paul would say, glorying in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, to glory in Christ Jesus? To start, it means to think on Christ. But even more, to glory in Christ is to believe in Christ and to meditate, to contemplate with joy and wonder all that He is, all that he has done for us, all that he has promised us, both now and in eternity. So that's what I would have us do this afternoon. I I would lead us to glory in Christ and to do so exactly by looking at Boaz. We said last time that as Boaz was to Ruth, so Christ is to us. The only difference will be a difference in degree, Boaz is only a type of Christ, a representation of Christ in miniature. So as wonderful as Boaz was toward Ruth, yet Christ is even more wonderful to us. As much as uh, as much of a blessing as Boaz was to Ruth, yet Christ is the greater blessing to us in our own day. Single gals might uh, read the story of Ruth and Boaz and And uh, they might think to themselves, wow, I I can't wait to meet a Boaz. Well, hopefully you will someday. Um, uh, But in fact, we mustn't miss the greater point. We can meet a Boaz here this afternoon. In fact, each of us can meet the man of whom Boaz is only a picture. We can meet Christ. We can take him as our own And we can all come under his comforting care. As Boaz was to Ruth, so Christ is to us today, to those who believe in him. So let's go over the several ways in which Boaz cared for Ruth. But instead of focusing on Boaz, let us focus on Christ and the care that he has for us. In the end, we're hoping to sing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So let's work our way up to Psalm 23 and let us glory in the care that Christ has for us. First of all, let us glory in Christ's protective care. In Ruth 2, verses 8 and 9, we hear of how Boaz urged Ruth to stay in his fields close to his servants. And part of the reason for this is that Boaz had given instructions to his servants not to harm Ruth. In verse 9 Boaz said, "Have I not charged the young men not to touch you?" We pointed out last time that we mustn't come to a a picture perfect view of the scene portrayed in in uh, in the book of of Ruth. Yes, Ruth and Boaz were people behaving justly. Yes, Boaz was a man of character and and integrity, but this is not Courier and Ives. Uh, this is not Mayberry. Uh, it would seem that even among Boaz's own servants, there were likely men who might have mistreated Ruth in one way or another. So Boaz made it clear to his crew. We might even say, basically, he said, "If you if you mess with Ruth, you mess with me." And Having made that clear, he instructed Ruth then to stay close, to stay within the realm of his protection that he had set up for her. And as we've said, here we have a picture and a reminder of the protective care that Christ provides us. For the sake of our courage and peace within this world, we need to understand that Christ is looking out for us and he is watching over us. Christ basically says the same thing to the world about us. He says if you mess with my church, you mess with me. And here is the comfort of knowing that we are the church, even the bride of Christ. Even as a husband protects his wife, so Christ protects us. His church. So imagine what Christ will do in the day of judgment, what he will do to those who have abused his church. What would any husband say to someone who is openly slandering his wife? What would a husband do given the opportunity to someone who has assaulted his wife? Well, so it is with Christ in his care for the church, with perfect justice, out of deepest love. For his bride, Christ will one day avenge and vindicate his church, his beloved bride. And yet, even now, we can take courage in knowing that Christ is looking out for us and watching over us. And this is at least part of the reason that Jesus said in Matthew 28 All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yes, he wanted us to know of his authority for the sake of his command to go and make disciples of all nations. But he finishes the Great Commission with these words, as you well know them, I'm sure. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the end of the Great Commission really connects back to the beginning. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me and behold, I am with you always To the end of the age, Christ is ruling over all people of earth, even the worthless fellows, those who would harm his people. Christ is ruling over them, and despite their rebellion against him, they are yet his servants. And Christ would have us know and remember that he is for us. and, And if Christ is for us, who can? Really be against us. But that brings us to clarify, and maybe you're waiting for this, what this doesn't mean. The protective care of Christ doesn't mean that He never lets anything bad happen to us. In the story of Ruth, we don't hear of anything bad happening to Ruth, but remember that it's just a picture, and as it applies to us, we need to understand that Christ even calls us to suffer for him in this world. There are surely those in the world today who are being called, perhaps even at this very moment, to lay down their lives for Christ. Even now, there may be Chinese government officials breaking down a door and arresting, perhaps even shooting, those whom they have found worshiping Christ. Even now, ISIS may be putting to death the Christians they find worshiping in their homes. And if so, then, then the willingness of those Christians to lay down their lives for Christ is surely based on this promise. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We need to be clear that the enemies of Christ are yet under his reign and rule. They are yet his servants And they do nothing outside of the permission and the purpose of Christ. And so we must remember the love of Christ for us. As we are called to suffer, it will be all too easy to question the love of Christ. But we must remember that he has loved us, even laying down his life for us, even suffering hell in our place to free us from our sin. We must remember that his care for us is perfect and his purpose toward us is good. We must remember that his protective care for us extends even into the grave. Even as our bodies lie in the grave, yet he still cares for us body and soul. And his promise as As an extension of his protective care over us, his promise is that he will raise us up in the body, in the last day, upon his return in glory. Next is the refreshing care of Christ. At the end of verse 9, Boaz said to Ruth, And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. We said last time again that this was to keep Ruth within the realm of protection that Boaz had set up for her. He wanted her to stay close to his servants. And he knew that uh, at break time, uh, Ruth might be tempted to wander off for a while, especially if she had to go look to find water for herself somewhere else. But at the mention of water, surely... We must also think of Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4. We must remember his words to her in John 4, verses 13 and 14. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So we can remember that the care of Christ for his own includes the living water that he provides. But what does that mean? It sounds good. Like the woman at the well, we we might want to respond, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. But even as we know that Jesus was not talking about physical water, we need to understand what he was talking about and and the answer comes when Jesus says when Jesus said the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life what is that water that wells up to eternal life within us in other words what is that what is it that leads to our faith in Christ and that renews our faith in Christ is it not the word of God? So Jesus wasn't talking about H2O. He, he was offering and promising uh, this woman his own word. And, and this fits with what happens later in the story in John 4. Later we see Jesus spending several days in that town. And what is he doing? He's teaching the people his word. And verse 41 says, And many more believed. Because of his word. Here we need to see that when Boaz told Ruth, stay close, drink from my water. For us, that means that we must stay close to Christ and drink from his water. As we keep our Bibles always close and spend much time in his word. If we are even now believers in Christ, it's because the living water of Christ has sprung up within us even unto eternal life. uh, But it also means that we must continue to drink of that water. And as we have begun with the Word, so we must continue in the Word, and so we must finish by the Word. We confess Christ today, but we must be ready to confess Christ tomorrow. And if so, it will only be by the Word. And if we will confess Christ even at our death, it will only be... By the word. So even as Ruth, it would seem, accepted the offer and the urging of Boaz to drink from his water. So let us submit to the counsel of Christ. Let us drink all the physical water we may need, but let us crave all the more the living water of Christ in the form of God's word. Third, the comforting care of Christ. And we take this from Ruth's response to Boaz in verse 13, which reads, Then Ruth said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Ruth was pointing out that uh, she was not on the payroll, so to speak. Uh, In the verses just before, Boaz had pointed out that Ruth in the past had been so very kind to Naomi, Boaz's relative, but Ruth doesn't say, well, yes, I did do that. I was very kind to her, and now I guess this is my payoff. Here's my karma for being good to Naomi. No, instead, she basically says, but you really don't owe me anything. I'm, I'm not even one of your servants. And yet she had been deeply comforted, as we can imagine, by the care that Boaz was providing her. For us, it's a matter of remembering the care of Christ for us. His, his care for us is certainly meant to be a comfort to us. And doesn't this fit with the, the teaching of Jesus in John 14 through 16, where Jesus uh, is, is warning his disciples of the persecution that they would suffer as they followed him. And in John 16, verse 33, somewhat in summary, really, of all three chapters, Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Again Jesus made clear what his relationship is to the entire world. In Matthew 28 he put it in this way, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in John 16 Jesus put it this way, take heart. I have overcome the world. And the point is our peace. The point is our comfort in knowing that Christ rules over all things, including his enemies and their actions. Even now, he rules over all things, and he is for us, that we might find comfort in him. can't resist reading to you the Heidelberg Catechism, the first question and answer, which says, What is your only comfort? work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. And I would just point out that question and answer one of the Heidelberg Catechism is a great example of what it means to glory in Christ to glory in Christ is to is to think about who Christ is and and to remember with joy and wonder all that he is all that he has done for us all that he has promised to be to us both now and in eternity and surely our own confessions give us the opportunity as well to do exactly that to glory in Christ Jesus, and again, to do so for our comfort. Fourth, we come to the nourishing care of Christ, and perhaps we covered this one most sufficiently last time, but we see the nourishing care of Christ as we as we see Ruth sitting at the table of Boaz in verse 14. It says, And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied. Perhaps the pressing question here is whether we have found satisfaction in Christ. If not, then are we sitting at the table of Christ? And by this, I, I certainly mean the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, but even more, or maybe I should say even before, even before we come to the table of our Lord, are we seeking in prayer that we should be satisfied? The point of being in church is to be surrounded by people who are satisfied in Christ, so that if we are not satisfied in Christ, we will want to find that experience. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. But is that your experience in your relationship with Christ? And in the same way, we are told that Ruth sat at Boaz's table and that she ate until she was satisfied. We ought not content ourselves with just spending time with those who are satisfied in Christ. But rather, we should seek that mysterious satisfaction for ourselves. Again, it begins with prayer, and again, it it requires time in the word. Jesus didn't say that one sip of this living water would render us satisfied forever, but he did promise that those who drank would never thirst again. We need to take him at his word. We need to spend time in the nourishing word of God on our own and with other Christians. And the satisfaction that Jesus spoke of is really what faith is. True faith is coming to that point where we have been sufficiently nourished by God's word. We have grown up in Christ. We have come to understand our, our sin and our need of Christ. We have come to know Christ and to depend upon Him and the salvation that He provides. And we have come to see that while physical food and water... just pass through us, pass through the body, not to be too specific or graphic, but you see the Word of God wells up. The Word of God wells up within us unto eternal life. So what's on your menu for this coming week? What will you eat? And will you avail yourself of the nourishing care of Christ? It makes little sense to call up a restaurant and complain that their portions are too little and that you didn't get enough to eat if you didn't first go and eat at the restaurant. The kids are known to say to their parents, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and parents are known to say, well, eat something if you're hungry. Or perhaps parents have to say, yes, it is because you didn't eat your dinner. It's still on your plate. If you're hungry, then eat. Eat. If you are unsatisfied in this life, then you don't need to ride more roller coasters or jump out of airplanes. Instead, you need to go to Christ. You need to study and learn and know the Word of God. You you need to do so prayerfully. Bring the promise of Christ directly back to him. Tell him in prayer, Lord Jesus, you promised that I could be satisfied in you You offer me yet today living water by which I will never thirst again. Please, Lord, give me that water. Nourish me and satisfy me by your word. Finally, then, abundant care. Christ's care for us is an abundant care. And we see this in the story of Ruth and Luke. And I keep saying that in Ruth 2, verse 15 and following It reads, When uh, when we rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. The funny thing is, Boaz was actually telling his servants to be bad reapers. To leave grain behind was what most landowners didn't want to happen. Servants were probably even fired for missing or dropping too much of the the harvest. But this shows us the abundant care of Boaz for Ruth. But even more, in the next verses, we get an account of the end of the day. We hear that Ruth went home with an ephah of barley, which was certainly an abundance of grain for one day's gleaning We are also told in verse 18 that she also went home with food from Boaz's table that she couldn't eat because she was satisfied at his table. So all of these details, why are we told them? Do they not convey to us the abundance, the abundance of blessing that Boaz heaped upon Ruth? And even more, the whole story reads... Uh, as a matter of this and then this and plus this. And, and if that one weren't enough, then this more over. The whole chapter gives us a, a picture of abundance. And, and again, the point is not just to hear an ancient story, but to see a picture of Christ and His abundant blessing upon us. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And does that not sound familiar from the story of Ruth? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Ephesians 1 goes on to say, In him that is in Christ, in him we have redemption through his blood, The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, surely the Apostle Paul would have us to understand how abundant is God's blessing to us through Jesus Christ. Think of the wisdom and the insight of Boaz toward Ruth think of all the ways he thought of to to care for her he he had he had everything thought through it would seem he thought about her need for water her need for food her her need from protection from the worthless fellows in the field. He thought of what she would do at break time. He thought of what she would need at mealtimes. He thought of what she would need at the start of the day and at the end of the day. And all of this is not just a heartwarming story, although it is that. All of this is a picture of what Christ does for us today. We don't have to just sigh and say, oh, wouldn't it be great to Wouldn't it be great to to be Ruth? Wouldn't it be great to have someone like Boaz watching over us? We do have. And our Boaz is Christ. And he is not the Messiah in the miniature. He is the Messiah. And by him, we have the fullness of God's blessing. Indeed, what a blessing to have Christ and his abundant care over us. We need to meditate upon Christ. We need to glory in Him. The Apostle Paul even spoke of boasting in Christ, which is a matter of naming and and claiming all that is ours, all of His abundant care for us. He protects us. He refreshes us. He comforts and nourishes us every day. Only let us avail ourselves of His care. Even as Boaz said to Ruth, don't wander off, stay close. Eat my food, drink from my water. So we must stay close to Christ. Are we prepared to do that in this new week? Stay close to Christ in word and in prayer. And each time you do, make a a point to, to glory in Christ Jesus. Remember, who He is. Rejoice in what He provides for you. Remember and rejoice in the gracious and powerful care of your Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, keep us close to You. And as You do, as we spend time with you in word and prayer. Grant that we would glory in you, in your abundant blessing to us. And may you indeed give us that satisfaction that you promise in your word. Grant us with your blessing. And in your name do we pray. Amen.